Stay tuned now for the local coronavirus update. Bad news under my feet, bad news out of the bar, all over my clothes, under my hat. And good afternoon, everyone. This is Alicia Bales live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax, who's in a rare mood. Hello, Alicia. Hey, Drew. Hi, how's it going? Oh, it's just fantastic. Just great. Yeah. Peachy. Yeah, no, I'm so happy to be listening to Lucinda Williams again and talking about COVID and getting crushed in the emergency room with this Delta variant. Things are really, really looking up. Well, I thank you for being willing to come back in mm-hmm. and help people understand what's going on with the Delta variant. When yes. you told me that the hospital is worse than it's ever been, I thought, oh, well, we should probably be back on the air then, huh? Yeah. yeah. What is happening? Well, we're getting, as probably every listener recognizes, we're seeing a significant COVID surge in the county, um, in the state, and in the country. Um, And most of it's driven by the unvaccinated uh, cohort, though the Delta variant is infecting uh, the vaccinated as well, to be sure, and the vaccinated are spreading COVID. So multiple variables are leading to this significant surge as we walked away from the masking requirement and opened up indoor dining and bars, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's pretty bad right now, having come off of five night shifts in a row, I've got to say that I haven't really seen quite the crush um, at Ukiah uh, in the past. It's certainly as bad as it was in December during the peak. Um, However, the the silver lining is those of us who are vaccinated aren't generally getting terribly symptomatic. Some of us are getting sick from COVID, but we're not getting very sick. Um, Have there been... uh healthcare workers who've gotten the virus now at this point? There are some. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, there are there are breakthrough cases, and there are a handful of breakthrough cases that actually require hospitalization, but to my knowledge, there aren't any breakthrough deaths in this county. Um, we have had, you know, several more deaths um, since our last show a couple of weeks ago, and we have an astonishingly large number of people hospitalized with COVID, which means you're pretty sick with COVID. Um, and I've, I, yeah, I've probably been seeing anywhere between 10 and 15 COVID patients each night uh, for the last four or five nights. I mean, it is really, really surging in this county. And that's reflected in the somewhat stale uh, numbers that the county's been putting out. All right, we hit a record. We had 95 new cases in one day last week. Yeah, I, I feel like I contributed to that count. Yes. You you yeah. saw most of those yeah. people yeah. come uh, through the like ER? It, yes. Well, can you talk about what it's like? Like, like, can you tell us any stories about, I mean, not revealing anyone's identities or anything like that, but what is it like to have 10 to 15 COVID patients coming through the ER every night? Well, it's it's not just the COVID patients, right? So there are no hospital beds anywhere in Northern California either. All of the hospitals are full, despite what the numbers might say. So we're holding patients up until, you know, yesterday. Um, some people are waiting for 60 or 70 hours for transfer to a hospital that could, you know, manage their condition. And so what it's like is one of frustration and um, a fair number of people waiting quite a while to be seen or to be appropriately treated by the right kind of doctors that they need. Um, And so it's not just the people who have COVID that are being affected by this. It's other people who are sick with sort of the -the run-of-the-mill things that happen to all of us eventually. You know, the the chest pains that may or may not be a heart attack or you need a, a a throat surgeon or you need you know all these other things that we don't necessarily have in this county and we can't transfer them out because the 
potential receiving hospitals don't have any beds either. And so that's one part of it. And then the other part is seeing the people who have COVID, who haven't been vaccinated, who feel terrible and have really, in my experience, you know, pretty strong buyer's remorse. Um, you know, it's just they, you know, I ask them, why didn't you get vaccinated? And they don't have any real good answer for that. Um, and I ask them that only because I want to encourage them to tell their family and friends to get vaccinated. I'm not trying to sort of, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, abuse the ill. Um, but I, I do want to hammer home the message, even with somebody who's coming in sick with COVID, that they need to spread um, the gospel that you need to you need to protect yourself because this is this is nasty. It's much more easily transmitted, and it seems to produce a more severe, more unpleasant illness um, amongst all of us. And that's that's really what we're seeing in the county right now. So that's what that was my next question. So people are sicker than they've been. There's well, more the, of them, and they're sicker. I, I'm not. It, it doesn't. It's not sicker. In that it's translating to higher mortality necessarily, but it's certainly sicker in the sense that they feel worse, at least subjectively, in my experience. People are just coming in really, I mean, I see flu symptoms all the time. I diagnose people with pneumonia and all these other viral syndromes all the time, but the the extent of the misery, even of people who have, you know, stable vital signs and can go home with covid um they really don't feel good at all they feel like they are dying and you know they're not in general but uh, you know they they really do not feel well at all so you're you encourage them to spread the gospel of vaccination it it sounds cruel but you know i don't want them to go home and you know and and they they're they're, they buy in Uh, you know they they, they get religion um at that point you know there are no atheists in the in the in the in the trenches um and so you know at, at that point when people are so bad that they come to the emergency room having not been vaccinated and they see a provider there's generally pretty strong uh buyer's remorse about Mm -hmm. you know drinking the kool-aid on this Get get the cool get the injection. Yeah. Get the Kool Aid injection. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have bad news. There, the county announced this morning, or just about an hour ago, that we have had our fifty fifth yes. death in the county. A sixty three year old Willits woman who had significant underlying, multiple underlying comorbidities. But that's young. It is. It is young indeed, and that person came in acutely ill and did not survive in the hospital environment for very long at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is sad. So, um, you, so you, this this one came across your your desk, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! All right. So the numbers. Shall we continue with our longstanding tradition? Let's do it. The all bad right. news. The yep. bad news on the radio. Uh, 4,780 cases. We are adding somewhere around. Um, 50 cases a day um, on average. There are 28 people hospitalized in this tiny little county. With Unbelievable. Tiny little hospitals. So you can imagine what that translates to in terms of the crush. I think those numbers have come down in the last 24 to 36 hours. My sense, uh, having worked last night, is we actually have a little bit more flexibility now, but still crazy high numbers. Um, there are 405 people in isolation with covid which reflects the 40, you know, the 50 cases a day that we've been seeing. There are only 86 in quarantine, which tells me that public health is no longer keeping up with contact tracing. I'm not sure what they're doing because they're not doing a lot um, on the field, as far as I can tell. Uh, but you know, 86 quarantined cases with 405 in isolation. 
that doesn't scan at that all. That doesn't total no. out. Well, and there are other counties around that have just it, that have stopped being able to keep up with the contact tracing. Yeah, I mean, and frankly, I at this point, contact tracing is not that helpful. I mean, COVID is right. everywhere, and I tell patients who aren't vaccinated that COVID will find them. There is no doubt that they are going to find COVID. They will develop antibodies to COVID, whether it's from an acute illness or whether it's from the vaccine. It's up to them. And you mentioned other counties, but Mendocino County is actually the fourth worst in the state of California right now for COVID cases per 100,000. We are we are surging um, by California standards considerably. Wow! So we're making the we're making the cut here. We're yeah, the fourth we are. Worst. And it's 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 not entirely clear why that is. I mean, we have huh. a fairly high vaccine rate in the county, um, and so I think in part, and this is simply um, my gestalt, but I think part of it might reflect the fact that we did fairly well in the pandemic uh, for the last year and a half, and so we still have a fairly large, naive population that's not vaccinated, and that really allowed the Delta to take root. That's not borne out by any statistics or any analysis other than my gestalt, but I suspect that's what it is. And some of the other counties that are really seeing a surge are um, counties that actually have done fairly well uh, throughout the pandemic as well. So I, I think that's what's driving it more than any other factor. California is adding 12,000 cases a day, so kind of where the United States was a couple months ago before this surge, um, up 40% um, over the course of the last uh two weeks. United States is up 64%. And if you look at the heat map, um, you can see this red hot um, blob spreading from the south, and it's going to keep moving north and west um, over the course of the next probably three to eight weeks. The good news is Delta seems to burn itself out fairly quickly. So I think we're going to see a hot, sharp, surge and then it's going to fall back um, probably over the course of the next three to four weeks. We're already seeing um, the curve flattening or downtrending in other jurisdictions uh, nearby. So hopefully that plays out in that fashion, Um, but we'll see. How does that work? Why would COVID burn? Why would Delta burn itself out? Well, it needs fuel, right? So, so it's just gonna get it's gonna get as many people as fast as it can, and then and then those people either get sick or don't. But it doesn't have that many more people that it can spread to. It does spread to people who are vaccinated, but those people, you know, fortunately don't get sick, and you know, those people I think are probably a little bit more COVID savvy as well in terms of isolation and social distancing and whatnot. All right. Is that that's our, is that enough? That's that's yeah. our summary. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not that's enough. Yeah. So the, the enough. other good the one good thing or a good thing that developed in the last uh, couple of weeks is um, the the uh, the CDC finally authorized or recommended that immune compromised people. And I think I've talked about you this in did the past. talk about this. Yes. And I thought when they announced it, I thought Drew said they were going to do yeah. this. So they uh, people who are immune compromised um, are now eligible, um, you know, sort of under the squishy EUA um, authorization to get additional doses of the vaccine. And I would certainly urge anybody who has significant immune compromise to contact their health care provider, um, see if they qualify and get, get a third um, dose of the vaccine. 
And so that just kind of incrementally boosts people's immune response? Correct. Correct. Okay. And, you know, it's it's a first step. I mean, there's actually data showing that a fourth dose in some cases may be warranted. We're talking about people who have significant immune compromise. So people with solid organ transplant, people receiving chemotherapy, somebody with a diagnosed immune deficiency, um, those type of patients would certainly benefit from a booster, if you will. Um, and for those of us who have received the J&J vaccine, I would urge you to go get an mRNA vaccine, um, either the Pfizer or the Moderna, because the J&J is not as effective against the, against the Delta. And there's increasing data showing that you should get a booster with one of the mRNA vaccines. Both shots. Well, at least a shot, okay. um, and potentially both, but at least a, a second dose of one of the mRNA variants. What about the treatments that people were getting, the monoclonal antibodies? Are those effective against Delta? They are, um, and we have been administering them sporadically in the emergency room um, for patients that are at high risk of doing poorly. It's... You know, the data is not great on them, but it does appear to decrease the likelihood of severe COVID for a selected population. So, and you have been using them in, yes. in the hospital. Yes. And, and the situation is the same in all three hospitals in the county? In terms I can't of... speak to that. I, I presume so, since mm -hmm. there's sort of a unified command structure right now. Um, but uh, I can't speak to that for sort of first-hand knowledge. All right, well, we're going to open up the phone lines. Uh, it's 895-2448 if you have questions about COVID, about the surge, about the Delta variant. Uh, we've got Dr. Drew in the house, so now's the time. 707-895-2448. Um, one of the pieces of news I just want want to finish up before we turn to questions about, um, you know, since we're in fire season, there was a study about wildfire smoke and COVID risk. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the smoke is obviously an irritant, and it's going to inflame mucous membranes, and so that's going to make it more likely to contract COVID. I'm not sure how that plays into significantly increased risk. There's certainly a theoretical basis for concern there, but the Delta is so contagious um, that it's it's just a slight increment, I suspect, over overall fairly high risk of transmission. And we actually had an emailed question about outside transmission and risk. Unfortunately, um, Delta seems to spread more readily in outside settings. Um, and so, you know, one of, the, one of the five COVID rules is go outside. And, you know, COVID keeps surprising us or not surprising us, depending on who's speaking. Um, but I, I think it would be prudent, at least for those of us who are um, concerned, to exercise some degree of increased caution in even the outside setting over the course of the next few weeks while we're seeing the surge. And that's easily uh, summarized by wear a mask. Wear a mask, yes. <laughs> Exercise I, I feel like, caution. I feel like it's February 2020, but yes, wear a mask. All over again. Yes, same All as it ever was. Same as it ever was. <laughs> All right, let's take our first call again, 707-895-2448. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I just had a comment about the contact tracing. I know for a fact that they're not doing it because several people in my office tested positive for COVID. 
and I have never gotten a phone call yeah. about it. Yeah, I, that that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, the numbers just don't add up at all. Um, and I, you know, I I, I, I criticize public health, um, you know, occasionally, um, as my listeners may know. Um, but frankly, at this point, I'm not sure how much contract tracing is going to add. It's not like we're going to wall this thing off at this point. Um, and so, really, it, it it comes down to trying to be uh, somewhat careful and responsible on an individual basis and staying away from people and businesses that aren't COVID savvy. Yeah. And that, that can be hard. I mean, like I'm on the coast and I know that we have a lot of tourism. Yes. Is that, you know, do you know if there's going to be any kind of changes as far as, you know, like restricting or I, I, anything in the I, county as far as requiring like San Francisco, the bars there require like vaccine verification to go in like is the county maybe going to do something like that? I, you know, it would be nice, right? I mean, San Francisco has been fairly adept at managing this over the course of the pandemic, um, and the Bay Area does tend to um, dictate what these surrounding counties do. Um, I haven't heard that we're going to be moving in that direction. I don't think there's a lot of political will to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I frankly think that there should be a mandatory vaccine requirement if you want to go into any um, governmental office whatsoever, period, full stop. There should be a mandatory vaccine requirement for every healthcare worker, um, and yeah. that would go a long way. People in the tourism industry, people in the, you know, the, the, the uh, client-facing service industries, you know, the person working at the A&P, those individuals are, are all at significantly increased risk still without really having signed up for, for that risk, unlike, you know, healthcare workers. So it, yeah. would, it would be nice. I just I don't see it happening at the county level in this county without some sort of state mandate. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because, um, and then another thing, just to kind of bounce off the breakthrough cases, I know for a fact that like the people that like did test positive like were vaccinated because our policy that we had, where I work, had a mask exemption if you were vaccinated. So I know that they were vaccinated because they were walking around without masks for weeks. Well, um, but I did have. A, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No. I mean, I that 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 is a an assumption that I would not necessarily endorse. I, I think a lot of people who do not mask do not believe in the vaccine either, or vice versa. And so, you know, the the COVID skeptics, the people who don't believe this, um, or don't believe. Oh, the, we had to like turn in. We had to like turn in our vaccine got card it, got to it, get that got exemption. It. All right. Well. Yeah. Like it was a. It was a whole office policy but um i did have a question about the um immunocompromised like getting the sec- like another um booster mm-hmm. um what about people that have just like asthma or something like that yep. you know if that's going to be kind of counted i know that they're just doing like organ transplants right now right cancer patients yeah. a- asthma would not qualify um and actually people with asthma um, somewhat uh, surprisingly, don't seem to be at significantly increased risk of doing poorly with COVID. Um, so if, if if somebody has asthma and they've gotten um, two doses of the mRNA vaccine, then I wouldn't worry too much about the possible slightly increased risk that you may have of doing poorly with COVID. But those those that population doesn't qualify yet for the third dose. I think we're going to get a population-wide booster shot probably sometime in October or November. We'll see. It's not entirely necessary for Delta because the vaccine 
vaccines, at least the two vaccines, seem to be working quite well against preventing severe illness, which is really what you want. And Delta is going to burn itself out before you know the FDA um, ever gets to approving a third dose. All right, caller, thanks so much. And we'll take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. You are not live on the air because of that. Hey, caller, try again. Hello, caller, you are live on the air. Um, let's see. Why do, um, okay, my question is, or I have a couple questions. Why when you, um, a person has gotten a positive test, does the health department send them a release from quarantine, like, without looking, waiting for a negative test? The other, because that's what happened to my son-in-law, and I would, you know, you'd think it would be a, a negative test, and then a certain amount of time after that. And the other question is, does oh, um, no, and I'm looking at the wrong side of my paper. I was wondering why I couldn't understand what I was reading. Okay, and is long COVID contagious? And the third question is, is there a test that's um, most accurate? And if so, where? And I'll listen to the radio. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Good questions all around. So the the negative test requirement really is not indicated. Uh, the reason being that people who are who have recovered um, and are no longer shedding the virus, whether it's some of the original iterations of uh, COVID or this Delta variant, will continue to test positive for weeks to months afterward. Um, and so the the guidelines really um, are appropriately structured to require isolation, not quarantine, but isolation uh, for the requisite period of time um, in, in, after you are no longer symptomatic. And that's, that's, that's based on what we know about how this virus is shed and the risk of t- contagion from somebody who had previously had it. Um, the long COVID is not contagious. Those are sort of bodily dysfunctions that seem to persist in a minority of people, some of whom may have had asymptomatic COVID. Um, and these these conditions are quite uh, myriad with um, as of yet undetermined um, duration. Some people have long COVID of somewhat short duration, so a couple months, and other people are still dealing with it, you know, a year down the line. Um, I should add that we are also seeing uh, with this Delta, um, not so much in this county, but um, nationally, a a somewhat increased uh, risk of uh, more severe illness in children. Um, it, It seems to be affecting children a bit more, which is frustrating in that we don't yet have FDA approval for the vaccine for kids under 12. That, I think, is going to be coming down the pike within the next month, but, you know, it's a long time to wait for a kid under 12, especially with schools reopening. Yep, exactly right. All right. Um, And the third part of the question uh, was testing. Um, And so, really, the the best test, the test I would recommend is a PCR-based test. Um, A lot of healthcare centers are be able to offer that in the county. Uh, There is an over-the-counter test, which is not quite as good. You can buy that in pharmacies, although it's selling out a lot in this county right now because people are worried about COVID. Um, But you can still go to the Ukiah Fairgrounds and get tested, and that is um, a very good test that returns, fortunately, in a fairly timely manner, typically within 24 
24 hours. They are also, um, the Ukiah Fairgrounds is also sort of doing a road show. I know at the fairgrounds here in Anderson Valley, they're going to be here on Friday, and I think they're um, going to other jurisdictions in the county as well. Yes, my family went to do that this week, and for the first time ever, there was a line. Yeah. People yeah. are definitely getting tested these yes, days. they are indeed. It's 707-895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. I'm Alicia Bales. Let's take our next call. Nicole, you are live on the air. Hi. Well, good afternoon, and thank you for keeping us updated, Dr. Colfax and Alicia. It's very, very much appreciated. Um we definitely have a mess. Um, I wanted to ask about the kind of mask. Does it make a difference whether it's a cloth mask or an N95? I've heard that N95s are more effective. I have no idea if that's actually the case. And then is anything known about long haulers? Are people becoming long haulers uh, with this uh, Delta variant? Are there long hauling is the long hauling more uh, debilitating than uh, with the previous COVID? Okay, so masking in general, um, I, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, we urged against using N95 just because there was a national shortage. Um, N95s are generally going to be more effective uh, than anything else. They in order to function as a true N95 respirator um, to prevent against droplets, they do need to be fitted um, and tested, which obviously is impossible for anybody but a healthcare provider. So they don't really offer the um, the maximal protection that you could achieve from an N95, which is you know what I wear when I'm seeing somebody with COVID or doing an invasive respiratory procedure. Um, the problem with N95s, particularly while we are baking in this ridiculous heat, is they are really unpleasant to wear. So uncomfortable. So hot, um, particularly if you're outside, and you know, it just, it's it's tiresome to wear them. Um, so my next best option, um, my recommendation, is just the surgical masks. They work generally better than any cloth mask, and certainly better than a bandana or some of these gaiters that you see people wearing up over their face or that they pull over their nose when you walk into a business um but you know the this the over-the-counter sort of non-medical grade surgical mask that you can buy in bulk at any pharmacy still i don't think they've sold out with a surge um is is my recommendation now if you can tolerate an n95 if you're going to be in a crowded setting or if you're really paranoid or you have significant health care health risks, then by all means wear an N95 or a KN95 or a K95. Um, but the surgical masks are, are adequate, even with Delta. As for your second question about long haulers, well, you know, Delta hasn't been around that long. And so we just don't really know how different it's going to be with a Delta variant and long haulers. Uh, we just, you know, that that's going to require a a study, shall we say, in the live population, and then we'll have the answer in six months or a year or two years or three years from now, but as of yet, we just don't know. About the masks, if one were to wear uh, the surgical masks, is that a one-time use? Can we reuse them and reuse them? What's the deal on Yeah, I, 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 You can reuse them, um, you know, sort of repeatedly without significant risk. I mean, you really don't want to handle the the 
outside facing portion of your mask because that's what's trapping whatever might be trying to get into your airway um but you know they they certainly can be reused and i think most of us now just have a a bunch of masks washing around the inside of our cars that we sort of randomly grab and i do the same thing and frankly i think that's adequate um you know even with this delta Okay. Great. Thank you so much, and stay well, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Oh, well, we want to make sure that they're not, like, on the floorboards or something, or mashed into the seats. Why? I don't know. You want to put that on your face? All right. We'll we'll try to keep them them clean, at least. All right. We'll take our next call. Hey, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, hi. Hi. I I was wondering um, about the second shot with teenagers. I've heard some uh, some stories about that, and I was just wondering if you guys could give us a little more information. What What's your question precisely about the second shot with teenagers? Well, I, I heard it was there was like the increased chance of myocarditis. Yeah. So there. Um, go on. Oh no! I was just you know I just heard that there was. A little bit more risk with that, and uh, I have a, my son has uh, has some issues, and I was just trying to get a little more info here. Sure. So there there is there are case reports, and I've actually seen um, a patient or two with uh, what is probably vaccine induced myocarditis. Um, it's typically quite benign and self limiting, though unpleasant and scary as a parent. Um, the recommendation, and it's an appropriate recommendation, is that anybody over twelve and up should get both. Uh, both doses of the mRNA vaccine. Um, and, you know, the J&J is not approved for um, teenagers, so we're really just talking about the Pfizer vaccine at this point in time. Um, I can tell you personally, my two qualifying children are fully vaccinated, um, and I would urge any parent to get their kids fully vaccinated. I should also, and this is an aside from your question, I, I think, um, but I should also point out that any parent of a child under the age of 12 is being really irresponsible to not be fully vaccinated. That parent, the best way to keep that kid who is not yet qualified for a vaccine or approved for a vaccine is for the parents uh, or the adult household members or the adolescent household members in that house to be fully vaccinated. We know that the chance of a child under 12 getting uh, COVID is primarily, the risk is primarily from family members um, with which, uh, with whom he or she lives. All right. Thanks. Oh, thanks okay. for the call, Thank caller. You. All right. Take care. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Okay. Do I get to speak to the doctor? You do. Oh, hi, doctor. Hi. Thank you. How are you doing? It sounds like you got your radio on. If you turn oh, it off, it'll right, be less confusing. Right yep. Okay, all right. Uh, anyway, I wanted to start by thanking you, Dr. Colfax, for all your good work. Well, thank you. But here's my rant. I'm here in Little River. Okay. And there's 20 times the chance of getting the virus in Ukiah as here. Yep. Yet I'm being asked to live by the same restrictions. Yep. 
and there's six times the chance of getting in Ukiah's Fort Bragg. And this is direly affecting a lot of businesses. I Yes, it's affecting me as well. I, I hear your rant, and I affirm it. Um, you know, the, the problem that we're all dealing with is we're dealing with a Delta surge that reflects a complete failure um, of this government at the national, state, and local level to... Uh, educate its populace around science and around this vaccine in particular. And so what we're all suffering from is the sequelae of that failure. And it's playing out in real time in a massive surge in this county that is affecting everybody. Let me tell you, it's particularly painful to have a dialysis patient stuck in the emergency room waiting for 60 hours to get to a hospital that can offer dialysis because we don't have any hospital beds in Northern California. So your your frustration um, I can magnify you know a thousandfold. Um, it's 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 infuriating, frankly. But there's no chance that the regulations could be adjusted by county district. I, I don't to, to I, more I, no, to reflect I, the reality more. No, not really. I mean, I, I just don't think that um, the policy could be that specifically tailored in a way that would be coherent or that would be um, you know adhered to in any way that was significant. I just there's there's just not a practical way to make that happen. We are all living or dying together with this surge in the pandemic. Well, maybe maybe the county just needs to put a much bigger focus on Ukiah as far as getting people to vaccinate. That seems to be where the problem is. That That is, in fact, where the problem is. Um, and I think that the county's outreach efforts have fallen short in getting to the unvaccinated population. I haven't seen a lot of people from public health in the county outside of their offices on Low Gap Road. They are holed up there getting county pay and not doing a lot of outreach from what I can see. I'm tired of hearing Dr. Corrin's PSAs on KZYX when I don't see Dr. Corrin at any vaccine event or at Safeway talking to people about getting vaccinated. So, yes, they should be doing more. Okay, well, thank you for letting me vent. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for letting Dr. Colvax vent. Well, you know, four nights in a row or five nights in a row make me grouchy. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, you've earned it. Uh, oops. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, hi. Hello. Hi. Can I get my question now? You may. Hi. Um, I. This relates to which... Uh, vaccine you should get for the booster. Um, I've been giving vaccines as a provider since January, and people say it might be better to, if you got the original series with Pfizer, get the booster with Pfizer. Other people say it's better to get a Moderna booster. It may be better for the Delta. So, you know, the, what's the current thinking about which, which one to use for a, for a booster? Yeah, I don't think, you know, there's not a firm recommendation on this yet. Um, And I I think the reason why there isn't is because we just don't know. Um, I don't think there's going to be a significant difference between getting one booster or the other, frankly. Maybe there's going to be some, you know, one in 10,000 difference. So number needed to treat is going to be extremely high uh, to see a difference. But I really wouldn't agonize about that so much as a provider, so much as getting my at risk patients in and getting them the booster shot as quickly as possible. Good. 
Okay, I haven't seen any recommendations. So I yeah, no. There, there, guys, as far as I know, I don't. I don't think there are any. Um, and you know, if I were immune compromised or if one of my patients were, I don't think I would offer any recommendation as to whether to get the same um, vaccine that I originally received or the or or the alternative. Um, I just I don't think it really matters. It may ultimately be slightly different, but I don't think biologically that's probably going to be borne out. Great. Thanks a lot. Good show. Thank you for doing this. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, we have an email question. It says, I'm told the tests, I'm told tests are being sold in bulk at Costco. Are these as effective? Would it make sense to have available for employees in the workplace? I don't know if they're sold at Costco, but the answer to having them in the workplace is yes, by all means, test people in the workplace. I know a lot of, um, a lot of healthcare clinics in particular are testing some of their employees. Um, and I'm not sure you need a mandatory testing policy, but if employees want to be tested, um, it would be nice to offer that um, at a no-cost convenient option. They are um, quite reliable, not quite as reliable as the OptumServe PCR test or the ones that we offer at the hospital, but they are certainly um, good enough to allow some guidance in terms of um, isolation and quarantine. How do they work? like what's the mechanism or? yeah if you can just do the test right there is it is there like a little like is it like a pregnancy test it's, or something yeah pretty much i'm not sure if it's a line or a circle if it turns pink or blue but yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just right right yeah, there you can yeah. do it you don't need yes. to send it out correct it's not. yes oh, okay yeah. well, that's and, cool. I, and i can say anecdotally they for positive patients at home testing they turn positive really quickly so symptomatic people who have um, have the, taken the home test come in to get confirmed at the hospital, and they yeah, it turned positive right away. I just want huh. to make sure. Yeah. So, is it yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yes, you, you do have, have COVID. It. Yes. Well, and how uh, how effective or how how many false positives, false negatives do you get? I I don't have that data right in front of me. Um, I I know that it's not quite as good. So you're going to have primarily not very many false positives, but you will have a slightly increased risk of false negatives so which is to say you will have covid and you'll test yourself and the test won't come back positive part of that i think um is operator error which is to say you didn't do a good enough swab um because it's kind of hard to stick a q-tip in your nose and really roll it around but you know that's that's the reality okay so you have to swab your nose mm. okay yep I'm get a bulk the, box the, of those. There's, no, there's, no, there's still not a urine COVID test. No, yeah. it's not like a pregnancy test nope. in that way. Nope. Okay, we'll move on. Good. It's 707-895-2448. We'll take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Yeah. Hi, I have a question for Dr. Colfax. Good, I'm um, here. I know that in other countries, ivermectin is being used and available for the general public. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if it is available for hospitals, and I wonder why hospitals wouldn't use that if they're so overwhelmed with uh, cases. Well, hospitals in the U.S. are not using it because there's no data um, to suggest that it is effective against COVID. Um, so those, those countries that are using ivermectin are using it without um, 
good, reliable data suggesting that it works. And frankly, there's really not a good biologically plausible basis for it to be effective. Additionally, I should note that ivermectin is a fairly toxic medication um, with significant risks. Um, and so even this, the notion of using it against a viral illness is contraindicated. Thank you for your answer. Mm-hmm. All right. And Thanks your hard work. Thank you. Great. Yeah, I wonder about ivermectin because I know folks who are vaccine hesitant or refuse to get the vaccine, but who are willing to yeah, it, ingest it, it. It has a lot of it has a lot of traction. Ivermectin does. It's being used in Brazil, um, I know, and probably more than just Brazil. But that's sort of the the big lodestar ivermectin using mm-hmm. country, and mm-hmm. you know they haven't done it especially well at managing COVID. and Not a world leader in no, COVID. No, Or at least in COVID management. Yes. All right. 895-2448. Oh, we do have a, um, an email question. Yes, you alluded to that. It's, yeah. And it's just, uh, it's your favorite kind of question. Oh, good. Because it's suggesting that things are going to get way worse. Good. Oh, I love so that. So here's yeah. what she says. Dr. Drew says Delta may rather quickly burn itself out. Is there really space for jubilation, giving the nasty genetic variations of iota? And who knows what else is in the pipeline? Yes. So, Sock it to us. Yeah, so my concern, um, and I think the concern of most public health officers, um, and perhaps even the CDC, although God knows what they're thinking about these days, um, is that we're going to see a variant that is not corralled or contained by the vaccine. And... When that happens, and I say when intentionally, because if we're talking about 125,000 newly diagnosed confirmed cases nationally, that gives a lot of opportunity for um, mutation and selection pressures to allow this strain to emerge. Um, we're going to be in a world of hurt. The the good news, um, or the, the little bit of good news um, around that possibility or eventuality, is that these vaccines are fairly um, readily modified. And so that a degree of flexibility should allow a fairly rapid deployment of a tweaked vaccine that is um, effective against any strain that emerges. You can be assured that finally our government is doing a fairly decent job at tracking genetic strains in this country and they're going to be monitoring some of these strains that are emerging that appear to be more virulent. But where we're going to be come November or December, I don't know. I'm tired of our theme song. How about you, Alicia? Yeah, I can never get enough of Listen to All right, all right. Oh, I, yeah. But she has a whole album of songs yes, that are, that are yes, like this, yes. so she was pretty yeah. pretty upset about the Trump administration. So if you, if you can't get enough of Lucinda, check out her latest album. Um, good. Okay, 707-895-2448. Here's our next call. Hey, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, I got a question for the doctor. Good. And uh, my question is, when somebody is vaccinated and they get the... Uh, get the virus and they finish the quarantine but i heard that they can get positive after that but they transmit some other persons or no when they finish the quarantine 
once so if somebody's fully vaccinated and gets covid um particularly with the delta variant we've learned that they actually shed a fair amount of the virus so they are transmitting virus to other people which is why the isolation is necessary even for fully vaccinated people with covid after you've come out of the 10 days of isolation um you know, at a minimum, 10 days, then the likelihood of that person spreading COVID to somebody else essentially falls to zero. It might not quite be zero, but it is low enough that that person can resume sort of the normal safe COVID activities that that we need to all engage in at this point. Okay, doctor. Thank you very much. That answered my question. Okay, good. Thank you. Thanks, caller. Good question. Very good. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hello. Hello. That's Hi. Hi. I have questions about um, other immunizations being given with the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. As um, a school nurse, I've had students report back to me that their providers are not giving the COVID vaccine with their Tdap which they can get at seventh grade or they need to go to seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And I just, my understanding is that the CDC changed the rules and is suggesting that immunizations can be given at the same time. And I just wanted to verify that. Yes, that is correct. Um, You can give the COVID vaccine along with pretty much any other vaccine. I'm not sure that all providers have... um, become comfortable with that um but that is the current recommendation there's really no reason not to do it um all at once we certainly know that the risk of delaying any one of these vaccines is far greater than the risk of giving all the covid all the vaccines at the same time and you know having had three children and watching them get vaccinated you know it's six months where they get six shots all at once um you know we we know that these vaccines can be co-administered because the the immune system is able to um, respond to each one of those uh, vaccines in a different way that doesn't really compound any very slight risk of an adverse outcome from the vaccine. Okay, so thank you. You, you, you should push for um, vaccination, um, sort of updating everybody's vaccines um, at the same time. That, that is what is currently recommended. Thank you. And I should, and, and while we're talking about vaccines and on the subject, you know, the, the initial recommendation back in January uh, it was if you have COVID, you should wait, I think it was 60 days or even 90 days before you get the COVID vaccine. It was an extraordinarily long amount of time. That has fallen away. Um, so if you have COVID and you have recovered, you can go get the vaccine and you should go get the vaccine because it's going to offer you additional protection and boost your immune system against any future variants of this of this pandemic and so in general i think most healthcare providers um, are certainly comfortable with vaccinating two weeks after resolution of symptoms i frankly think it could probably drop to you know just a few days after resolution of symptoms but every provider is a little bit different there okay thank you very much mm-hmm. for clarifying yeah all right thanks for the call if you are vaccinated you get the delta variant Mm -hmm. how's your immunity after that are you just like a superhero 
well, you're something. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you've been vaccinated and you get the Delta, you, A, are much less likely to get hospitalized or get acutely sick with it. Um, and B, your immune system has then been exposed, um, you know, at least twice and probably three times if you had the two-shot regimen to um, this this pathogen or to a, a replica of this pathogen. And so it's, it is protective in the sense that you are going to probably not get as sick with any future strains or variants of this uh of this pandemic um it's like a booster it's it it boosts your immune system and that's you know really how we're going to get out of this pandemic i mean delta is so transmissible um and there's so much you know reluctance amongst the population that we're never going to achieve induced herd immunity we are now in a clear path where we're going to have to you know get a hybrid sort of um, national immunity some of us are going to get induced immunity and a significant fraction of us are going to get um, natural immunity from from covid all right this is the local coronavirus update here on kzyx back again back again and and we're gonna stay back we're gonna go back to weekly (sighs) (laughs) so you'll come from your five night shifts in a row and rant at us which we love yes um so here we are. I'm Alicia Bales with Dr. Drew Colfax, and the lines are open. We've got about another 10 minutes or so. So yeah, um, switchboard's it, lit up. It really is. All three lines. So we're yeah. going to take our next call. It's 895-2448. Hey, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, my question was in regards to, as he was stating, that maybe there could be a more prominent variant coming out in the future, and as far as the vaccinations giving out now might not be effective on that future variant um is there a chance that the vaccinations we're giving people now are just perpetuating a stronger and and uh, more uh potent form of covid no because we know that the vaccine though it's not 100 percent effective does decrease um your risk of contracting covid it decreases your risk of having a high viral load and shedding the virus the delta virus the Delta variant, unfortunately, does seem to shed um, you know, more than uh, previous iterations, um, even amongst the vaccinated. But it's not um, creating a selective pressure. The vaccine's not creating a selective pressure to evolve, for the, for the virus to evolve toward a more virulent strain. What is offering the virus um, opportunity is simply every person that gets the Uh, gets the virus. That's another opportunity for the virus to mutate um, and perhaps evolve into a more virulent strain. And that that opportunity is irrespective of whether you're vaccinated or not. We know um, we know that the vaccine reduces the likelihood of getting um, COVID, whether it's Delta or otherwise, and thus it is reducing the opportunity for the virus to um, mutate into something more virulent. So it's actually... Does it actually uh, reduce your chances of getting COVID, period, or does this reduce your chances of getting it bad and going to the hospital and being overly sick with it? Yeah, so it's extremely effective at the latter. Um, And so 
fortunately, the vaccine is really, really, really good still at the latter. We're seeing very few hospitalizations of breakthrough cases. There are some, to be sure, um, and it's still fairly good, not as good as the original, uh, as it was against the original, original iterations of COVID, but it's still fairly good, and I don't have an exact number on it because it just doesn't exist yet, um, but we know that it reduces the likelihood of your getting COVID at all. Right, but there still is a, there still is a scenario where where vaccinated people are just passing it back and forth and not getting sick enough to go to the hospital, and they don't even really know it. Correct. Yes, and that that scenario <laughs> is going to continue to play out as long as we have you know this this surge and a fairly high viral load in the populace. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks yep. for your time. Yep. All right. Thanks. But there's also the scenario where vaccinated people aren't getting it at all, even when they're exposed to it. Correct. And, you know, the likelihood of your getting COVID if you're vaccinated is significantly less than if you're unvaccinated. The likelihood of your getting sick with COVID is markedly less if you're if you're vaccinated. All right. Let's take our next call. Hey, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, hi. Yeah, I have three questions. Well, actually, a comment. Three questions. Uh, Dr. Colfax, I think earlier on, uh, you mentioned, I think, if I remember that a woman could um nurse her child if she has uh the vaccine and that it's okay yes yeah and you thought it might actually help protect the infant yes yeah okay then the question that came up you know i was talking to a worker a retail worker uh, she was wearing a mask and i mentioned oh i wear a mask even though i get vaccinated and she says well i can't get it because i'm pregnant and can pregnant women get vaccinated is okay is there What's the word on that? Yeah, so the word on that is pregnant women can get vaccinated. I mean, it is obviously a, a slightly more fraught personal decision. Um, the ACOG, or the American Cur- College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, recommends vaccination for all pregnant women. Um, and the the positive effect of getting vaccinated while pregnant is you're going to pass on those antibodies to your infant child, um, which, you know, is good, particularly since there's not going to be any vaccine for children or infants for quite some time. Um, And so that would offer some degree of protection there. The, The sticking point, I think, for a lot of pregnant patients is there isn't really any clinical trial data um, showing that it is, you know, as safe uh, when you're pregnant as when you're not pregnant. However, at this point in the pandemic, where we have seen some 200 million doses administered with a fair number of of those doses administered to pregnant patients, uh, we aren't seeing any data showing increased risk um, amongst Uh, pregnant women when they get vaccinated. That should be weighed against the fact that we know that pregnant uh, people do less well with COVID um, than than non-pregnant individuals. And so in general, I think most women are electing to get vaccinated. And I can say, having worked with multiple pregnant providers during this pandemic, uh, they all eventually came to the conclusion that they wanted to be vaccinated. Yeah, that's yeah. It's good that you mentioned all this. That's yeah. good. Yeah, and I, well, I thought of calling uh, because the earlier caller from Albion was talking about the jurisdictional, <clears throat> you know, uh, covering COVID and, and the restrictions and wearing masks. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, I'm kind of halfway between the coast being here and the deep end of the valley. And I go both places, but I usually tend to go to the coast. And um, I know Ukiah is a little more of a hot spot, but we have to remember we're all in this, and it only takes one person to spread it. And the other thing is, I don't know whether this is true. It's probably a lot of visitors to Ukiah, but... You know, on the coast in Mendocino, you get a lot of visitors come up from the Bay Area, and people come over on hot days from Ukiah and Sacramento, and we even get a lot of world tourists in Mendocino. I know somebody that works there and worked there, and they talk about people coming from Germany and Britain, and, and, and they come back, too, year after year. So, you know, it's not like we're totally isolated, so it's always best, I think, you know, wearing a mask and getting vaccinated. I, you know, nobody likes wearing a mask, and probably pretty much. And anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there because even though you feel safer, maybe you're not quite as safe as you think. I Yeah, and all good points. I, I think uh, it is prudent at this point during this surge with fairly high uh, numbers in the county um, to sort of re-escalate um, our COVID precautions. I would really urge against any indoor unnecessary activities for the coming few weeks. I would be more vigilant about masking and hand washing. I'd be more vigilant about social distancing. I think we've all gotten a bit lax, and I would urge people, you know, it's it's been a long haul. This is, what, 18 months now of COVID discussion. So many months. Uh, but... I think for the next month, it might be time to double down um, and get through the surge. We'll get through it, I hope, uh, fairly quickly. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, be careful, everybody. All right. Oh, I do have one question I thought of while you were talking we're, about this, We're getting out of time. Can you make it super quick? Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Yep. Oh. Very quick. He was quick. Excellently yeah. quick. Love it. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yes, we're coming down to the end. We have one more email question that I think you can make short work of, which is uh, outdoor social distancing. Do you need to mask if you're closer than six feet or do you need to stay six feet away when you're outside? Yeah, I. I it depends on the group. Um, it depends on the conditions. I would recommend that you wear a mask and this is going to be particularly burdensome if you're going to be you know in close proximity uh for you know more than you know five or ten minutes i i just think at this point uh that's probably the prudent thing to do it might be overkill but i, I we are seeing increased uh data showing that delta is spread a bit more readily outside than um the previous iterations which really i think reflects the fact that it doesn't require much of a viral load to contract this delta uh, variant so introverts rejoice yes you can hang out by yourself and, yes and exactly. stop the spread of the covid delta variant all right well that's going to do it for us today as we mentioned we are going to be back next monday yay yay <laughs> with dr drew will be here and we'll have the phone lines open for your calls so uh, you can also email us at dj at kzyx.org um thanks drew yeah thank you alicia be safe everybody um and uh we'll get through this it's it's a long haul for sure but this too shall pass we are getting through it we are continuing to get through it <laughs> all right everybody thanks for your calls we'll be back next week Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news.